Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, October 1st. In today's news, Canada has agreed to join the new NAFTA. Migrant kids taken from their parents are being relocated in the middle of the night to deter escape attempts. And the Trump administration sues California over net neutrality. But first, the big idea. The FBI investigation meant to defuse the explosive conflict over Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh sparked a new round of partisan combat on Sunday, as the White House appeared to retain sharp limits on the probe, even though Trump administration officials deny that there are such limits in place. Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders and presidential counselor Kellyanne Conway said in TV interviews that the White House has placed no limits on the FBI investigation into claims of sexual assault leveled against Kavanaugh, but they both said the administration is also opposed to a, quote, fishing expedition that could take a broader look at Kavanaugh's credibility and behavior. But these statements followed several reports that federal investigators are pursuing allegations made by Christine Blasey Ford and Deborah Ramirez, but not a third woman, Julie Swetnick. Swetnick signed a sworn affidavit accusing Kavanaugh of sexually aggressive behavior and being present at parties where gang rapes occurred. Kavanaugh emphatically denies any wrongdoing. Trump himself tweeted late Saturday that he wanted FBI agents to, quote, interview whoever they deem appropriate at their discretion. That sparked immense confusion inside the FBI, which had previously been directed by White House counsel Don McGahn to conduct a very limited investigation of very particular allegations. And a senior U.S. official speaking on the condition of anonymity to describe internal conversations confirmed Sunday that Swetnick is not expected to be interviewed. The same official told us that interviews pertaining to the other allegations will be limited to only Kavanaugh, the first two accusers themselves, and only people who have been identified as being physically present for those incidents, not anyone who could provide other forms of corroboration. Don McGahn, the White House counsel, who has been the lead official tasked with getting Kavanaugh confirmed, is most directly involved in guiding this investigation. He's been in frequent touch with Republican senators about its scope, but he won't even speak with Senate Democrats about it. The White House is pushing the FBI hard to get a report sooner than the Friday deadline so that they can get Kavanaugh confirmed. One reason they want to move quickly is that they're worried more women will come forward with accusations. The order to the FBI was signed by Trump, but it has not been made public. The only official description of the parameters has come from Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, who said Friday that the FBI investigation will last no more than a week and will be limited solely to, quote, current credible allegations against Kavanaugh. But he and his office declined to give any clarity as to what that means. The FBI still hasn't contacted Christine Ford for an interview, but Debbie Ramirez, who says Kavanaugh exposed himself and shoved his genitals in her face when they were students at Yale, spoke with the FBI on Sunday. Meanwhile, Charles Ludington, a former varsity basketball player and friend of Kavanaugh's at Yale, tells the Washington Post that he plans to deliver a statement to the FBI field office today in Raleigh, detailing violent, drunken behavior by Kavanaugh in college. Ludington, now an associate professor at North Carolina State University, says in one instance, Kavanaugh initiated a fight that led to the arrest of a mutual friend. He writes, quote, when Brett got drunk, he was often belligerent and aggressive. On one of the last occasions I purposely socialized with Brett, I witnessed him respond to a semi-hostile remark, 
not by diffusing the situation, but by throwing his beer in the man's face and starting a fight that ended with one of our mutual friends in jail. Luddington says he was deeply troubled by Kavanaugh appearing to blatantly mischaracterize his drinking in Senate testimony. To push back, Senate Republicans last night released a memo from the outside prosecutor that they hired, a registered Republican, to lead the questioning of Ford last week. The prosecutor says that she would not bring criminal charges against Kavanaugh if the alleged incident occurred in Phoenix, which is part of her jurisdiction. This prosecutor, Rachel Mitchell, wrote, quote, a he said, she said case is incredibly difficult to prove. This memo is aimed at assuaging the concerns of a handful of GOP senators who remain on the fence about whether to confirm Kavanaugh. But here's the thing. Ford is not on trial. Neither is Kavanaugh. The question is not whether he should face prosecution. It's whether he should receive a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land. This is a job interview, and the Senate is deciding whether he's worthy of perhaps the most prestigious job in America. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Canada agreed late Sunday night to join the renegotiated NAFTA deal with the United States and Mexico. The Trump administration says it rushed to get the deal done before midnight in part because that would allow Mexican President Enrique Nieto to sign on during his last day in office. The fear in Washington has been that a new far-left president who's already been elected might demand additional concessions when he comes into office. But others say the more likely reason for the rush was that the administration wants the deal to be a selling point for Republicans during the midterm elections to show that Trump can get results and that this economically destructive trade war we're now engaged in was not for nothing. The new treaty is expected to be signed by Trump and his Canadian and Mexican counterparts in 60 days, but Congress then must ratify it sometime next year. And administration officials anticipate a fierce political battle to win approval on the Hill, especially if Democrats regain control of the House. Number two, in recent weeks, the Trump administration has been quietly relocating hundreds of migrant children from various shelters to a sprawling tent city located along the Texas-Mexico border. Several shelter workers say that the standard practice is to relocate the kids in the middle of the night with no advance notice so that they don't try to escape. The moves are taking place across the country as the federal government struggles to find room for more than 13,000 detained migrant children, the largest population ever in U.S. government custody. That number has increased more than five-fold since last year, largely as a result of the president's zero-tolerance policy. Unlike the shelters where the kids have been held until now, this tent city in Texas is not licensed or even monitored by state child welfare authorities. That means some kids in the tent city no longer have access to education, though they do have some limited access to legal services. In related news, the Trump administration's hardline immigration policies have stymied the Pentagon's plans to relaunch its immigrant recruitment program. The program allowed thousands of people with critical medical or Asian and African language skills to join the military but was suspended in 2016 because of concerns over the vetting process. Defense officials bolstered that process and planned to relaunch the program early this month. But they ran into a roadblock. Homeland Security officials said they would not sign any agreement blocking the deportation of immigrant recruits brought in under the program once their temporary visas expire. Number three. The Trump administration announced Sunday night that it will sue California to block its new net neutrality law. The move by Attorney General Jeff Sessions opens another legal battle between the federal government and California, which has already gone to court for trying to bypass the Trump administration's policies on immigration and climate change. California on Sunday became the largest state ever to adopt its own rules requiring internet providers like AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon to treat all web traffic equally. 
The Golden State Legislator's move came after the Federal Communications Commission scrapped nationwide protections last year, citing the regulatory burdens they'd caused for the telecom industry. But just hours after California's proposal became law, senior Justice Department officials said they would take the state to court on the grounds that the federal government, not state leaders, has the exclusive power to regulate the Internet. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, October 1st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.